Welcome to the iSector Selections Podcast. iSector's Chief Investment Officer, Chuck Self, is back to talk about the ever-popular equity trend following or momentum strategies and how it's faring in the current bull market, as well as why statistics from these strategies have contrib- contributed to recent concerns about the effectiveness of liquid alternative funds. Yes, thanks, Jordan. Uh, the equity trend following or, or momentum strategies, we'll be using those names interchangeably, uh, and their funds have been uh, pretty popular in the pe- past uh, decades. A number of providers, large and small, have created these funds to track investors away from other actively managed strategies. You've said how momentum strategy providers tell quantitative and objective methods utilizing simple algebraic processes, and many of them performed very well in 2007 to 2009 in the U.S. bear market. Yeah, and uh, many of these, when I say they're simple, it's because they just use moving averages to determine what stocks or sectors or even uh, markets that they're going to invest in or in some cases actually get short. And so it's not they're not true statistical models. They're, they're really uh, just almost uh, technical uh, models. And for the most part, they've been sold on uh, back tests, uh, and, and sometimes they had actual performance in the 0709 bear market, but often it, they used uh, back tests. Uh, but unfortunately, the performance of these strategies uh, have not done well and been pretty disappointing during the bull market that we've been experiencing in recent years. Uh, all one has to do is go and look at the five-year uh, results of these equity momentum funds to see that they've lagged their benchmarks you know, even before management fees. And of course, once you have the management fees, the, the lag is even stronger. Uh, so uh, it, it, uh, many of them did well, or at least the back-tested well in the bear market, but they've not kept up in the bull market that we've been in. Okay. Have statistics from these strategies contributed to recent concerns about effectiveness of liquid alternative funds? Yeah. uh, Unfortunately, uh, the trend-following funds have become a very large part of liquid alternative funds, and because of their poor performance, it has painted a negative picture of of all uh, liquid alternative funds. But if investors had done the uh, the academic research on trend following, they would have found that uh, the, the academic work shows that it will not work over time. Uh, and and uh, in the show notes for this, we, we will put up the links to some of this research that I'm getting ready to talk about. Uh, so there, I'm going to talk about five different types of research uh, th- that have been made about these trend following funds. One is that trend following works best in non-equity markets, commodities, currencies, and, and fixed income. And fixed income. Uh, the non-equity markets are subject to government intervention, and as we all know, uh, government intervention tends to uh, bring markets out of whack, and one of the things that they tend to do is prolong trends. So this is in a fixed income market, and I managed a trend following fixed income fund in an earlier uh, firm that I was with, uh, interest rates tend to follow a trend over time, and it can be profitable to be involved in 
in, uh, in trend following. But the stock markets are, are relatively free. Uh, they, don't, they tend not to have much uh, equity, uh, tend to have much trend following um, benefit from government intervention because there's not much government intervention, especially in the U.S. stock market. Uh, and, and they do not have a force that drives the direction of the asset class. The second class of studies show that equity market trend following works best in extreme market moves, very positive and very negative uh, moves. And since the 2007-2009 uh, bear markets was the worst stock market decline since the Great uh, Depression, trend following worked well in that market. But um, most markets that an investor or advisor's client is going to be involved with won't be in markets that have very uh, extreme moves. And so um, it's not likely the trend following strategies are going to uh, work then. Uh, the U.S. equity market, over time, U.S. equity market uh, rises, and but it does so steadily and not to the point where you can make money on, on trend following. And so many trend following strategies reduce downside capture, but also it reduces the upside capture. And since the stock market goes up uh, over time, uh, you, you in essence uh, are, are reducing the gains you could get when the stock market go up when you use a trend-following strategy. And that's why the trend-following funds have not done well uh, over the past few years. Uh, the, an effective strategy will reduce the downside risk while taking advantage of rising uh, stock markets. Um, another class of studies indicate that even in that bear market, uh, the multi-asset trend-following strategies uh, benefit more from there are long fixed income exposure being invested in Treasury bonds, especially U.S. Treasury bonds, than they did from their short equity uh, holdings. And so, again, uh, you can see the benefit of having trend following in non-equity markets uh, and not so much in the equity markets. Uh, a fourth class of studies indicate that whatever advantage trend following proce uh, processes capture in the equi equity market has diminished over time. Back when uh, everything was done by hand and there were no calculators or computers, then uh, there was the ability to take advantage of trend following. But because of the strong computer power everyone has these days, um, most of these strategies have seen less and less uh, uh, profitability as uh, time goes on, and, and it really has led to a poorly performing strategy in the 21st century. And finally, uh, the, the other problem that uh, trend-following strategies have are, is the tremendous cost. Because you're constantly buying and selling in order to uh, hop on the trends, especially in markets like the ones we've had recently that have had big volatility uh, up and down, uh, management fees, transaction expenses, and capital gain taxes are, are detrimental to the returns from those type of uh, strategy. Uh, there's been a study done that uh, uh, created a, a, uh, uh, a process so that you could try to estimate the, tr the uh, trading cost for uh, being in, in momentum. Um, and results uh, were a very unimpressive range of sharp ratios uh, uh, of, of about uh, 0 0.11 to 0 0.21. Um, certainly not enough to uh, be able 
to say even if you try to minimize trading costs, you're not going to get uh, that much uh, return for following trend-following uh, strategies. So again, uh, we'll have the links for all these studies uh, on, on the show note uh, so that you can look at the studies themselves. Those are some great points. Um, so if we don't want to fall into trend following, what's the iSector's recommendation? Well, uh, it's been a real difficult time because uh, active equity funds have not done well generally, and, and the trend following funds have done even worse over the past few, few years. Uh, but we also know, as we've seen in the uh, volatility of the market at the beginning of 2018, that uh, you, uh, you don't want to have all of your funds uh, in an index fund because uh, uh, then you have to live with the, the uh, major declines that will happen over time. And, and as we've talked about previously, on average, there's a, an 11 to 14% decline in the market every year. Uh, we, we got uh, just in that range in February, and it doesn't mean that we can't have another one. So an optimal strategy will combine uh, indexed-like strategies to uh, rules-based active management strategies that uh, is systematic and sophisticated. Now, we know that not all clients will fall into these baskets, but is there any strategies that you propose that advisors look at? Well, yes, uh, and, and, and all of the good strategies have uh, certain characteristics with them. Uh, to them. First, they're not just simple moving average, average type strategies that anyone could do. It's, it's unreasonable to believe here in the, in the 21st century that uh, easy strategies are going to outperform and anyone uh, could do it if they know an Excel spreadsheet. And so the ones that uh, are the best utilize uh, mathematical and statistical processes uh, with computational uh, power of the 21st century to uh, systematically uh, access, access uh, data and, and crunch them in order to get the proper results. Secondly, uh, a reason uh, and quantitative to these uh, studied uh, schema of investments should be utilized by the model. And it, in order to be success, successful, it's likely that uh, the, the allocations have to go beyond just those found in, in the indexes, such as the Standard Poor's 500 and Russell 3000. You're likely to have to use uh, other types of either equities or even other types of asset classes. Third, uh, the most important thing uh, for advisors, especially with their clients, is to have the proper risk controls in the, in the model. Benchmark outperformance uh, in of itself is not going to keep clients invested in, in strategies. If the results are too volatile, especially on the downside, their clients uh, will, will not stay in the strategy, and maybe even you as a financial advisor won't, won't stay in the strategy. And, and this is why we end up having this uh, uh, buy high, sell low behavior that we so often see. And finally, all of the expenses of the strategy have to be accounted for. When you're coming up to strategy, you've got to think about uh, not only the, the expense ratio or the, or the management fees, but you also have to think about any fees of, of any underlying investments, the transaction costs, and potential, potential tax implications. So uh, a, the proper strategy to uh, go into 
if you've been in one of these losing uh, trend following strategies is one that have these characteristics. Okay. Um, is there an I sectors implementation? Yes, funny you should ask. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, yes, there is. Uh, um, our flagship work, the I sectors post CBT models, both the growth and, and moderate uh, strategies, uh, meet the recommendations that I just talked about above. Okay. Um, what makes these uh, post-MPT models so effective? Well, they uh, let's just take each one of those points that we talked about before. Um, we use a very sophisticated statistical uh, process. My MBA is in statistics, and so uh, I, I can uh, uh, put my uh, good housekeeping seals, so to speak, on the st- statistical processes. It's multifaceted, um, but uh, very effective in sussing out how... Uh, uh, the asset allocations should be uh, constructed and and, and formed for any given level of risk. Uh, Secondly, uh, we use uh, sectors as opposed to cap styles, you know, large growth, small value, and so on, because sectors provide true diversification uh, in a portfolio as opposed to large cap uh, growth, small cap value, which all of those boxes have become highly correlated with each other. We also uh, uh, use gold stocks and treasury bonds as asset classes we can go to when the uh, equity market may be uh, overvalued. Uh, third, uh, we in everything that we model we don't use a broad sense of risk. We use only downside risk is what we're trying to uh, control. Uh, I've never had a client call me or text me and say, oh, I'm getting too much upside risk. Uh, it's the downside risk that clients are concerned about. So uh, we use uh, statistical processes to be able to manage downside risk and certainly minimize the expected amount of that. And finally, we use low-cost index-based exchange-traded funds, or ETFs, in order to keep the costs at the absolute um, minimum. Management fees are low, under 10 basis points a year at at this uh, point. uh, Since since they're very liquid and uh, trade a lot, to the extent that we have to do transactions, uh, the spread between the the uh, buy and sell side are, are very narrow, and, uh, and we try to make it as uh, tax-friendly as possible as part of, of what we do. So uh, if advisors are interested to learn more about the uh, post-IPT allocations, uh, you should register on our website at www.isectors.com to review information on the post-MPT allocation that I've just uh, described. Individual investors can contact uh, Scott Jones uh, for a referral to a recommended I-Sector advisor that can help determine the best I-Sector asset allocation for, uh, for the portfolio. You can uh, contact Scott at area code 800-473-2867 or at the email is info at isectors.com. That's 800-473-2867 or info, I-N-F-O, at isectors.com. And um, 
and and so on our website you're able to receive all the information to see how this strategy works and uh, hopefully you will become convinced also that it's superior to any momentum s- strategies that you might have seen out there. Thank you for your time today, Chuck. That was uh, some great information. I know you have a lot more to say about post-MPT as a liquid alternative. In the coming weeks, since we'll be taking time to talk about uh, iSectors post-MPT as a liquid alternative, uh, we'll be sitting down with iSector CEO and founder Vern Sumnick on March 21st so that podcast recording will be up later that day, Wednesday, March 21st. Um, if you have any more to add, please head over to our website at iSectors.com backslash contact us or go to iTunes or Google Play and leave a comment on our podcast page. You can also find Chuck Self on social media by looking up Charles Self on LinkedIn or on Twitter at Chuck underscore iSectors. Thank you for listening to the iSectors Selections podcast. Have a great day.